Today is April 17th, 2022. We are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're in the chapter into action and we're starting to study step nine. And we are starting on page 76, the paragraph, probably there are still some misgivings through and including on page 78, most alcoholics owe money. Today, Jeff H. is going to be our reader, and that will be followed by a 20-minute share by Susan G. from California. Okay, so Jeff, if you could do our reading. Sure. Uh, Jeff H., compulsive overeater. Probably there are still some misgivings. As we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we have hurt, we may feel diffident about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. Let us be reassured. To some people, we need not and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature on our first approach. We might prejudice them. At the moment, we are trying to put our lives in order. But this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. It is seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from our injustice to him and announce that we have gone religious. In the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. Why lay ourselves open to being branded fanatics or religious bores? We may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message, but our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. He is going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries. We don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. When it will serve any good purpose, we are willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. The question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. It may be he has done us more harm than we have done him. And though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we are still not too keen about admitting our faults. Nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Simply, we tell him that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. We are there to sweep off our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so, never trying to tell him what he should do. His faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. In nine cases out of 10, the unexpected happens. Sometimes the man we are calling upon admits his own fault, so feuds of years standing melt away in an hour. Rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. Our former enemies sometimes praise what we are doing and wish us well. Occasionally, they will offer assistance. It should not matter, however, if someone does throw us out of his office. We have made our demonstration, done our part. It's water over the dam. Most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. Telling them what we are trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. 
nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory uh, that it may cause financial harm. Approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we are sorry. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors, no matter how far we have to go, for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. Thank you so much, Jeff, and so much to chomp on there. So I'm so looking forward to hearing Susan G. from California talk about these pages. Hi, Susan. Good morning. Thank you, Kim, for inviting me to speak this morning. Good morning, everyone. Susan Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles, California. If you know Los Angeles, I live in Westwood, which is near UCLA. I know a lot of you and a lot of you I don't know, which is wonderful. That's one of the reasons why I just love Zoom, right? Because I'm always going to meet new people. Um, this book, These Steps Have Changed My Life, just to quickly qualify. Um, I came into these rooms in the 80s. I have just over 22 years. So I'm not a mathematician, but you can tell that that doesn't add up. I did not want to be a part of this group. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, welcome home. No, 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 thank you. So I lost and gained 100 pounds, probably over 10 times. 250 pounds, size 26 dress. My shoe size was even bigger. I'm 5'7". I've now been in a normal body weight for 20 plus years. And it isn't because I have the right food plan. I do have a food plan and an abstinence that works for me. But it's because I'm constantly in this book. I'm up and down the staircase of all of these steps. So when I came here, I just wanted to tell you how everybody had wronged me. And if you would have told me at any stage that I was going to have to apologize to people, I'm sure I would have told you absolutely not. And let me tell you why. So when I came in and out, in and out, I didn't like what I heard, like little snippets. So I would go away and I would come back and each time I had more and more of a leveling of pride, which is what is needed here. So, you know, on the pages before, which lead us up to this point, it tells me that I'm going to pocket my pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. So, Probably like you, I wasn't always very graceful when I was drunk on food. Um, my mouth ran, I gossiped, I did horrible things behind your back, I caused a lot of havoc in my family, and I owed some apologies. And then there were some things that were done to me in the house when I was a child, and I didn't owe apologies for those. I was, for want of a better word, I was collateral damage in a zany household. Um, my mom was a paranoid schizophrenic. And then I had a stepmother who just wasn't very nice and didn't like us. So when it came to those things, you know, I said things to my mom, I was a child, I was a child, I was reacting, but I made living amends to her as an adult by going to visit her and seeing her. Um, so where it says, probably there are still some misgivings. If you look that up, it's probably almost certainly. So that means that, you know, here we go. I have to look over this list, which I go through with my sponsor, because in that fourth column, it's Susan, what was your part? That was the column I didn't like. 
and I played a part, but here I am, you know, I have to, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And from the beginning of this book, they've told me that I'm here to help those who are still suffering. So I can't give you what I don't have as a sponsor, as a fellow, just as an active member in this fellowship. I'm not here to graduate, to collect anything other than freedom, right? I have no retirement at the end of this, no gold watch if companies still give those, I don't think they do. Um, I have nothing to do other than just be free. So for me, I definitely was a spender when I was eating. I didn't have to go to another program. It got sorted here. And one of the main reasons I was such a big spender was every time I lost weight, I threw away all of my clothes and went out and bought new ones. And at the time, there weren't big sizes on every single rack. They probably went up to a 12 or a 14. There was nothing with a 20 plus. So I had to spend a ton of money and I would build up credit cards, which I was never raised on. And oops, a daisy, a bill comes at the end of the month and you have to pay them. And oh my gosh, they have something called interest on them. So if you pay this little minimum payment, right, it's never ever going to go down. So one of the first things I did was I spoke with my sponsor. She said, let's try and work through this and see if we can do this without you having to go to another program. And once I put my knife and fork down and started to have that essential psychic change, and I wasn't looking for that frothy emotional appeal where it tells me later on, right, the sensation is so elusive. So even as I lost weight and clearly I did need new clothes, I wasn't running for designer stuff immediately. Let's just pause. Let's just see what you can afford. And I was able to pay off my credit cards with grace, even called the credit card companies. Who knew that you could do that? And they will work with you. Astounding, right? More and more freedom, trusting in God. God was in the pause all the time and asking for help or listening to people's shares. Oh gosh, they went through that. Then before I get to family, of course, I had the grocery store. And if you live in Los Angeles, I see one of you here on my screen who does. I binged a lot at Gelson's in Encino on Havenhurst, near where I used to live. And bags are very easy just to open up and have them at the top of your thing. And then you just eat and then you just throw them on a shelf. So off I went with my checkbook. That's how long ago it was. And I begged my sponsor, who was Maxine R at the time, the whole way there. And I can remember I had a flip phone and it didn't even, you know, it didn't go through your car or anything at the time. And I just remember saying, I will do anything. Please, please, please don't make me do this. And she said, no, no, you're going to do it. And you're going to call me when you leave and you're going to be okay. I'm going to take God in with you. We're going to pray before you go in. And when you come out, you will tell me how you're feeling. So I went in there, my hair's naturally curly, and it was a very hot day. I remember that. And in the San Fernando Valley, it gets to over 100. And I was sweating, sweating, my hair's frizzing, I'm going, thinking, how can I dodge this, right? But I couldn't. So I went in, you find the manager, and I said, can I talk to you? And he said, yes, of course. And I said, I'm in a 12-step program and I ate a lot of food here and I need to pay you back. And specifically, I ate crisps. I probably said chips. I ate crisps and grapes. 
And it's an expensive grocery store, not to the level of probably, I'm trying to think of New York. I know Dean and DeLuca, but I don't think it's, it's like that as much. Uh, we have Bristol Farms. It's a bit more than a Whole Foods. And he says, oh, yes, people from 12-step programs come in here all the time. I live in Los Angeles, no surprise. And he said, what you need to do is, he said, I can't take money for the shop. But up at the counter, we have all the little boxes to donate. And I'd already agreed with Maxine on the amount. And to be honest with you, I cannot remember. It was a long time ago. But I know that there was more than one zero involved, okay? Because I had eaten a lot. And in there, a pound of grapes was probably a lot more than anywhere else. And if you're an eater like I am, there is no middle of the road binge and you're popping them. So I wrote the check. And here I am to tell the tale that I lived. And I haven't stolen or eaten food from a store since then. So then we get to family. Oh, golly gosh. Oh, and an ex-boyfriend who was my trainer at one point because I took one for the team. So I apologized to my dad for my behaviors. Um, we had a very tumultuous household that we grew up in. But then when I became a teenager or when I moved out, you know, I started to blame my dad for everything, who was my primary caretaker and is my best friend. And we have an incredible relationship today. I have no wreckage today with anybody. I can't help it if you don't like me. Sometimes I speak out of turn, very A-type personality. I'm very, ah, oh, I can do it. But I pause. And I apologize. And when I speak out of turn and in my family, I am so careful. I come from a family of seven children and my dad raised us all. So you can imagine there is always something going on. Somebody is always treading on somebody's toes. And I'm the oldest and I love to be right. Oh, my gosh. Right. What a recipe that is. What a recipe. Right. But I don't want to keep walking into that, <clears throat> into that bitter morass of self-pity if you don't agree with me. And in the family afterwards, it talks about how the dark past becomes our greatest possession. And that's why I also share these things. There are other people on here who may have had mental illness in their families, been raised by one parent, who knows? Things that I can tell you that you too can find freedom from working these steps precisely as they are outlined and taking the hand of somebody who's gone before you. So my dad obviously knew what I was doing, knew it was more than a diet, um, even though everybody rolled their eyes when I started, um, because, you know, I used to tell everybody else how to eat, funny thing. And I apologized because I can no longer be living for my own selfish needs. I would have told you, I'm not selfish. Don't you know how much money I paid to have your present gift wrapped? Where is that selfish? When I walked into your party and you enjoyed your party and didn't talk about the big bow on my present, what did I do? I left feeling, you know, again, one more time, lonely, in despair, bewildered, all of those things. No God in any of my decisions. And our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set wrong the right. Set right the wrong, changed it around, didn't mean to. He is going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries. So after I made that amends to my dad, I can't tell you I've never had to say sorry to him. I can't tell you I've never called him and said, X, Y, or Z in our family is driving me bonkers. I can't tell you I've never done that, but I've caught myself 
before I've been destructive. Because again, we don't rise here above being human being. I don't float on water. I would like to tell you that I do, but I honestly don't. You know, and that's why it tells me that we trudge, we trudge through this. Hold on a second. Um, so I went ahead and did that. Um, when it came to people like my stepmother, she did some awful things to us as children. I don't ever have to see her again. I didn't have to make an amends to her, but I continued to work. And in six and seven, you know, I said, I, am I now ready for God to remove all these things which we admitted are objectionable? So that was the hatred in my head for her. That was the story, that was the subscription. So I let all of that go. And my younger siblings, that's their mom. They too don't have a relationship with her. I never say anything in front of them about her. They're not so young anymore. They're parents and everything else. There's an age gap, but my brother Gary has four children now. And they choose to have some kind of relationship with her. And next year, I can tell you, I have to see her at my niece's bus mitzvah. I already have a little anxiety about it. But you know what? It's a long way away. Now, I've outed myself and told you that I have it. I actually haven't said that out loud yet because they've all just started talking about it. I can't go over that my niece will be 12. That's beside the point. But Elaine is this big. And my path in this broad highway with all of you and God has no boundaries. So I'm sure somebody's going to call me after this and say, I've had that experience. And that's why I share these things. We may go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling. So when I go in, I'm humbled. So I was always looking for outside sources to fill me up. So I went to Gold's Gym, I got a trainer, I saw an ad in the Sunday Times, which at the time was how it was. And I went to this person, I won't say the name because there's people from California. And these were the lengths that I went to when I didn't have God in my life. This man said to me, you're very fat. I said, thanks. I didn't in my head. I, you can only imagine what I was doing. And he said, can you lift up your dress? I have to see your legs and how we're going to train you. And I can even remember the designer of the dress I was wearing. It was a similar color to this, which is so weird because I don't normally wear army green. And he said, yeah, you're going to have to be on that treadmill for about two hours every day. I just don't know. And he sent me off on my way to this very, very hot Italian trainer who I would have done anything to lose weight. And I lost my weight and we started a date. Okay. I behaved really, really poorly. I didn't know how to be a girlfriend. I was desperate. I was so scared to gain my weight. And I was just awful, awful. Not gonna tell you he was perfect, but again, I had to call him and make amends. And I did. And we met at a coffee shop in Larchmont. One more time, Susan is sweating. One more time, it is a hot day. One more time before my Brazilian blowout, my hair is out to here. And I went in and I humbled myself and I apologized for my naggy, whiny, awful, awful behavior. Awful behaviors. Thank you. And he said, that's okay. 
And then he proceeded to tell me, which I didn't know in five years I'd known him, that his sister in Italy was a bulimic and had dabbled in 12-step rooms. Who knew, right? So I don't know anything. That's the point of this. When I go in and I'm all ready because, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to fight if they come back at me because that's what I used to be like, or I'm going to cry so they'll feel sorry for me. It wasn't as God-centered as it is now. But again, I walked away with that moment of who would have ever known? I met his sister. She was gorgeous and skinny. Skinny girls have issues. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I've met you in the rooms. Not everybody comes in morbidly obese like I did. So again, I can't stress enough. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God, whatever you want to call it, and the people about us. And the people who wrote this book did everything, right? They did it because let us be reassured. They're telling me as we look over the list, there are still some misgivings. They know because they did it. My sponsors had done it. Those who'd gone before me, you had, and you were all there ready, ready to hold me up. Don't shy away from Overeats Anonymous, because when you get to steps eight and nine, you're going to have to make an apology. Making an apology has helped the person who's coming in, right? I put my hand in yours and together we can do what we can never do alone. I always have a hand in God and the hand in somebody else, my sponsees, their sponsees, and we go on, right? This link chain, this chain link fence, whatever you want to call it. I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. So there were some bad things I did. I was drunk. This also reminds me there's no middle of the road solution. Because if I try and dodge my creditors, my loved ones, the ex-boyfriends, Gelson's grocery store, I'm going to be in that middle of the road solution thinking I'm not as seriously alcoholic as you are. I'm seriously alcoholic. I wasn't just somebody who ate one night a week. It was constant. You don't get to 250 pounds because you just had an extra nosh. You don't have your jaw wired shut and not lose any weight for three months when you weigh 250 pounds. But if you are as seriously alcoholic as I was and get your jaw wired shut, that is your story. It tells us to be fearless and thorough all the way. I mean, not all the way through do they use the words, but we beg of you. We're begging you to be fearless and thorough from the very start because the result is nil if I don't let go absolutely. And that's what happened to me when I came in and out of these rooms. I wouldn't let go absolutely. So my time is probably up. Call me if you have more questions. I'm sure there are other amends I made that I can't think of, but it's always family first, right, to right those wrongs. And thank you again for the opportunity for being here. I listen to these podcasts every Monday morning when I'm getting ready as I'm normally at my home meeting on a Sunday. So thank you again.